everybody. You've reached the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. Glad that you're here. Today, we have the second interview that we did with Fawn Collette. She's talking about her books that she's written, The Jesus Whisper and The Potter and The Dizzy Clay. So right here is what The Potter and The Dizzy Clay looks like. And right here is The Jesus Whisper. But a little word from our sponsor. I would like to thank McLeod Painting Group of Vero Beach, Florida for sponsoring this week's show. They specialize in interior and exterior painting. They are licensed and insured with over 45 years of experience, expanding over three generations. Give them a call at 772-501-0324 and tell them that Kevin James sent you. Again, that number is 772-501-0324. All right, everybody, get ready for an interview. We'll be back in about 60 seconds to do that interview. Thanks for tuning in today. You are listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm Kevin James. I'm back here with Fawn Collette in Vero Beach, Florida. Um, if you've listened to some of the last podcasts we've done with her, she told her life story so far, what's going on and stuff like that. But this is a little different. She's an author. Uh, she's written a few books right now and a few more that are on the way. So today we're going to talk about those books. Um, basically, we do a little excerpt from them. You can hear a little bit about them, um, stuff like that. So Fawn. Thanks for having me again in your house. Well, thank you for coming. Yes, it's, it's always fun coming down here to Vero to I do some interviews. welcome you. Thank you. Uh, I also want to welcome the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to be a part of our fellowship today and to alert those that you are calling and drawing. Uh, by your great love, by your wisdom, and by your power to lend an ear to what you have to say. It's all about you, Lord. It's about your agenda. And in these end times, uh, there's, there's so much more that's happening that's ever happened before. So we invite you to fill us and to illuminate us and to have your way <laughs> in Jesus name. Amen. Before you get into your first book, let me ask this question that just came to my head. How long ago or when did you know that you were going to start writing stuff? When I was a child uh, in third grade, uh, I wrote my first poem and I got an F <laughs> because the teacher said it was too good. And she said I had to find it somewhere and copy it. Uh, 
And so she sent a note home to my mother. And it broke my heart, and it really discouraged me. Um, but I wrote, uh, I have a heavenly father. No, 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 I'm sorry. I, I wrote, the Lord made the people and the animals too, and the Lord made me just as he made you. He sent his son down from heaven above to teach us about him, to teach us of love. He died on the cross to save us from sin. Then let us live freely, both women and men. So this I tell you how the world did begin, all because of the Lord and his son helping him. Wow. And that was a third grade. <laughs> that was my first So book. teachers out there, stop telling people that. <laughs> but anyhow, it really discouraged, discouraged me. Uh, but I really loved God. And I remember just dancing and twirling before him. Uh, I was a loner. And we talked a lot about that. I was the only girl all the way through grade school. And half of the guys wound up in the state pen, and the other half were shot and killed over on the east side. So <laughs> it was a, a, rough, a rough go of it because I didn't have any girls to, to relate with. And so I really locked myself into a make-believe world. Uh, and I was very isolated, very secluded, very withdrawn. I had a tremendous complex. Uh, just didn't like myself and uh, got into an imaginary world. But so much happened during that time that God really developed creative thinking in me. And uh, so when I was in my early 20s, uh, that was the time when I was crying out to God, saying, I don't want a religion. I want a relationship, and I want to know you. And that's when he gave me um, Two Sides to a Mountain, which I've quoted before, uh, and it's powerful. So I'm going to tell you that real quick. This was really the second poem, but it was inspired. And I had gone to bed one night, and I kept hearing in my spirit, shady side of Calvary's Mountain, over and over again. And I woke up the next morning, had breakfast, cleaned off the table. About 10.30, that phrase came to me, shady side of Calvary's Mountain. And I stopped, and I said, there were two sides to that mountain, the shady side where he was crucified. But he ascended into heaven from Golgotha, you know, uh, from that mountain. And so there was a sunny side, and that was his resurrection. So I grabbed a pen and paper, and I wrote so quickly, but I knew it by heart when I finished. And it goes, shady side of Calvary's mountain. On a sad and dreary day stood a crowd of angry people. In a dismal kind of way, their lives had been disrupted by a man who said he's God. And they didn't want his kingdom on their sacred chosen side. They had their own religion, certain rituals in their cult, and they wouldn't let that peasant say he knew the end result. So they mocked him and they scorned him, placed their stripes upon his back, threw a scarlet robe around him, and his precious face they spat. Then they made a crown of sorrow, piercing thorns upon a vine, pushed it deep into his temples. Then they screamed, now he's divine. Hail, King of the Jews, they shouted, all his teachings they had scorned. And he stood there as they mocked him. 
while for them their souls he mourned. He was such a faithful servant. While tribulations on him laid, he would have wished deliverance. But his father's will obeyed. So he straightened up his shoulders, prayed for guidance from above, and then he took the cross upon him, and he headed forth in love. He suffered all that man could suffer. In his few years of 33, all the pain and grief and sorrow, all of mankind's misery, yet he lived his life so perfect, man could never match his call. And God so loved, he gave his gift, his perfect son to all. The worst was yet to happen. The greatest burden was to be Jesus Christ, our sinless Savior, took our sins upon the tree. All our sins, past, present, future, on his shoulders, they did rest. And at that time, he was forsaken. He withstood the final test. And he cried to God, the Father, why hast thou forsaken me? God must have said, son, don't you know that sin I cannot see? For God, so pure, so holy, could not look upon that sin. And Jesus made that final sacrifice so a new life could begin. A new life deep inside us. All our sins were put away when we take the gift God gave in faith. For he the price did pay. And in that final hour, the crowd was awed as Jesus said, Father, I commend my spirit. It is finished. He was dead. But there was a sunny side to Calvary's mountain that spread throughout the land for Christ our Lord was risen. That day was mighty grand. He stayed to share his victory. And his final witness gave, go spread the word through all the world that Christ alone can save. That in all his splendid glory, outstretched arms to God above, he ascended into heaven to unite with God in love. Here on earth, some men are searching, but there are other men who await his final promise. Jesus Christ will come again, and he's coming real soon. Let's get ready. You know, every time you read those things, or not actually, the thing is you're not reading it. You are from memory. Yes. And you are, again, how, I love women that don't like to say their age, but how, how old are you? Now? <laughs> As be, a time. I'll be 76. So you'll be 76. The 2nd of August, in case anyone wants to send a present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that the thing about it, I always love about it, is that you're you're reading it from your mind. I mean, it's you sound like you're reading it from a piece of paper, like a like an audio book, but it's coming from memory. And, and you, you said... How long ago did you come up with that one? <laughs> that was uh, 50 years ago. <laughs> 50 years ago. <laughs> I sometimes have a hard time remembering yesterday. Well, that's the miraculous thing. Yes. Yeah. Is that he gave it to me and he wrote it in my right. heart. Right. He wrote it in your heart. And, so. you know, he said he'd do that in the last days. You know, young men and young women will prophesy. Right. God gives us these things to baffle the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. He tells us secrets, and uh, it, he makes it real. So anyhow, I got this, uh, and in just a minute, I put my pen down. I knew practically the whole thing. 
just just absolutely. And that's the way he does with me. So it, it was prophetic. Uh, I say it was prophetic because I knew very little about, uh, I hadn't been in the Word, you know. He downloaded so much of that into me. And uh, it, it just mesmerizes me to this day. It's funny, I was thinking of this. What do you say to the people that says, well, God doesn't talk to people nowadays? What would you say to them? Well, I'd say if that were true, there would not be one Christian on this earth because God seeks us out. We didn't seek him out. And none of us would have come if we hadn't heard his voice. The reason that I wrote this uh, the Jesus Whisperer is because it, it was so important to me that people learn to hear his voice, that they incline their ear to him. There's an old, uh, it, matter of fact, I believe it's in Psalms, uh, that David cried out, hear our prayer, O Lord, incline thine ear to us and give us peace. He does. He, he inclines his ear to us. But we need to learn how to incline our ear to him. We need to learn how to discern. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice. And another voice they won't follow. They hear my voice. And they follow the good shepherd. So hearing his voice means that we have to spend time with him and get to know him. But he is sure worth what, knowing. He's a good, good father. So my message with the Jesus Whisper is about one miracle after another. Uh, I talked in our last show um, or interview, I talked about the lady that God gave me the privilege of raising from the dead. I didn't raise her. God raised her. But I was an EKG technician and... Uh, I had responded to a code blue. Uh, she had coded at home at a full cardiac arrest. They tried to get a rhythm. They never could get a rhythm, but they transported her after 20 minutes to the hospital. And then by law, they had to work a half hour. And so the doctors and the whole team uh, in the emergency room did everything that they could, but they couldn't get a response. The doctor uh, called the time of death. The nurse charted the time of death. And when everyone left the room, I'm walking across the room to disconnect her from my EKG machine and monitor and get her ready for the morgue. And the Lord told me if I didn't pray for her, she'd spend an eternity separated from him. So I did pray for her. I laid my fingertips on her top of her chest very gently and I said in the name of Jesus I speak life into this body. I looked up at the monitor and she started having a rhythm heartbeat and I almost had a heart attack <laughs> but the Lord gave me um, a, again a poetic uh, prophecy a word uh, about her called raising the dead she looked so isolated as they rushed her through the door, her frail, thin body motionless on the emergency room floor, from the gurney to the table underneath a massive light. The ER staff and doctors began fighting for her life. 
with all the latest instruments and machines to aid their task. Every trained technician worked skillfully and fast. Time was of the essence, but the inevitable came. The doctor called the time of death as the nurse filled out her name. The team did all they knew to do, but they couldn't change her fate. At 86, she breathed her last, and her body laid in wait. One by one, the team walked out, and I alone remained to finish the last details and disconnect my EKG machine. As I walked across that empty room, I clearly heard God say, she'll spend eternity separated from me if you don't stop and pray. What can I do? She's dead, Lord. But he didn't say a word. I knew what I was asked to do. To pray is what I heard. So I walked over to the table. Her body cold as ice. I laid my hands commanding life in the name of Jesus Christ. I looked up at the monitor as the graft began to spike. Her heart had started beating. I could hardly believe my eyes. I ran out to the hallway, called the team back in. Her heart has a rhythm. And they called her next of kin. They took her to intensive care, not knowing what transpired. Jesus brought her back to life. Her love was his desire. I never saw that kind of love. To bring her back to life, to give her one last chance at love, to choose to be his wife. Two weeks later, she was discharged when I took her last EKG. She took my hand and prayed a prayer and became my family. <laughs> so powerful. And that's the way God works with me. Many, many words that he gives me are in rhyme. It's my gift. Um, and my book was published through um, <clears throat> Spirit Word Publishing. But I had prayed to ask God for a publisher that was trained or had somehow associated with the Harrison House because Buddy Harrison uh, and Pat. Uh, Hagen married, and Pat Hagen was Kenneth Hagen's daughter. And they married, and uh, they had the Harrison Publishing House. And so uh, Buddy had that kind of gift. He would have prophecy, uh, but it would be so many times in rhyme. So when he passed, people from all over the world came to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, where they were stationed, and they had that prophetic gift as well, prophetic gift and rhyme. So I prayed and asked the Lord, anyhow, uh, I said, I want a publisher that has some association, and this publisher, uh, Keith, was CEO, I guess, for 43 years. Buddy Harrison trained him. <laughs> and so uh, it was a divine appointment and it's a wonderful publishing company they have just they're uh, a step above uh, Joyce Meyer and uh, T.D. Jakes and 
so many really famous authors uh, started with him. And he calls me his favorite author. So I might, I might as well broadcast that, don't you think? <laughs> Anyhow, um, getting back to these prophetic words, back in 2020, before we really knew what hit us, um, pandemic struck. And so the Lord gave me a, a word, and I, I wrote it down. Um, I'm going to share it with you real quick. And it's in my book. Suddenly the virus struck. Without a hint, it came. Suddenly a quarantine. Before I knew its name. Suddenly fear manifest. The media was deceiving. Suddenly I found the faith in what I'd been believing. The leak came out of China from a region called Wuhan. The WHO compelled to research as pandemic began. Panic and pandemic formed allegiances worldwide, and death stalked every nation with no safe place to hide. Life as most had known it hung precariously by a thread, as mankind had no answers, and multitudes dropped dead. Savage and contagious, the consensus overall was to isolate the masses with an impenetrable wall. They shut down all the stadiums, the public gatherings, social schools and libraries, all sports events and teams, theaters, restaurants, daycare, the workplace and the mall, especially Christian seminars, churches most of all. Except for the necessities, essential services evolved. Walmart and the grocery stores and pharmacies were allowed. Suddenly, streets were empty. State lines can't be crossed. Families could not gather when loved ones had been lost. No family reunions or weddings. No funerals could be planned. There were no graduations, no proms, no dances, no band. All around the world, global lockdown was enforced. Chaos, loss of jobs and income. Domestic violence, suicide, hatred, divorce, political upheavals, Illuminatis want control, economies are failing, new world order is their goal, the deep state showing disregard, socialistic tendencies are appalling, atheistic college agendas, and blinded were falling. Voter fraud is looming. Gun laws are imposed. Constitutional rights are threatened. Child trafficking disclosed. It happened oh so suddenly. Suddenly, while sickness filled the air, a mystery unfolded. Suddenly, the world engaged in prayer. Some began to panic, hoarding toilet papers and wipes. Bibles started selling out while airlines canceled flights. Suddenly, the suddenly manifested a peculiar kind of guise as suddenly believers were opening their eyes. A call was rising in the soul of those who had been sleeping. If my people called by my name repented with their weeping, 
as strange as it seems, it happened this way. They humbled themselves and began to pray. They turned from their sins and their wicked ways, and God heard them from heaven, embracing their praise. Then suddenly, around the world, while men were pursuing God's word, I am began to heal the land. His voice alone was heard. In this time of lawlessness, in this time of a world that is falling apart, young men and young women don't know if they're a woman or a man, a girl or a boy. Uh, there's no lines defined. They need to know God. They need to know the truth. And he gave me this suddenly. But suddenly is who he is. He is suddenly there if we will call on him. So this is in my book, The Jesus Whisperer. Uh, it just came out. You can find it on Amazon. You can go to my website, uh, www.thejesuswhisperer.com. Um, you can email me, thejesuswhisperer at gmail.com. And God gave me this book and told me to write it. He gave me the title because. He's whispering in our hearts, but he wants us to shout it from the rooftops. He is alive. He will make a way where there's no way. He is calling his children, the prodigals, to come home. And if you will, he won't throw you in a pig pen to feed the pig slop. If you'll come. He'll run down the road to meet you with the sandals, with his robe, and with his signet ring to give you authority to take your place with him. Cool. Yep, that's true. Now, locally, um, and most people buy stuff, and there are people listening all over the country and the world on this podcast, but if you're living in Vero Beach, Florida, um, you can pick up this book. At Oceans United Christian Center, is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. And that's Oceans Unite. Unite. Christian Center. Church at the Mall. Church at the Mall. <laughs> Indian River Mall. At the uh, Vero Beach. So <clears throat> you can pick it up there. Yes. And then obviously um, there will be links in the bio stuff on her for uh, her books. Now those are the first two books you've, you, you've have actually published. Now you have other things that are in the pipeline right now. Well, I'll stir up a hornet's nest here. Okay. <laughs> Not a hard it says, but I, I want to go back to the first book that I put out uh, <clears throat> was actually something that God, again, gave to me about a 70-year-old woman who was as cantankerous as, <laughs> as she could be, highly opinionated, a little rude, <laughs> and and she had been... Uh, raised six kids, and let's just say she was a lady of the night. She came to my Bible study one day, walked in the entry foyer, and she didn't know my name. I didn't know her name. She's shaking her finger at me, and she says, I don't pray out loud. 
I ain't never going to pray out loud. Don't you ever ask me to pray out loud. And if you do, you'll never see me again. If you don't believe me, ask the people down the road. They thought I should pray out loud. They never saw me again. I said, really? (laughs) And I shook my finger back at her. I said, well, let me tell you something right now. As long as you're in this household, I forbid you to pray out loud. (laughs) Until God tells you. When he does, you'll know it and I'll know it. Until then, why don't you leave the praying to me and you just get to know Jesus? And she said, that's a deal. Well, Betty and I became just the best of friends. Uh, but people that didn't, didn't know her would run the other way. So when she come to church, it looked like a fire alarm went off. People would just scattered <laughs> every way because they didn't want the confrontation. So. Uh, Betty asked Pastor one day, what can I do? I'm old, but I want to serve. And he said, Betty, I'll tell you. He, he knew nothing about her attitude about prayer. He said, I'm going to give you the phone number of people in our congregation. Call them up uh, through the week. Turn it in at the end of the week, and I, I we'll pray for them, any of their prayer requests. So she did that, and, uh, and she started calling people. But they all had caller ID and nobody had answered the phone. (laughs) So she called me two weeks later. She said, that's it. I quit. I said, Betty, who are you doing this for? Are you doing it for you or Jesus? I'm doing it for Jesus, she said. I said, well, then let him take care of his business and you take care of yours. Call the people. Most of them will have a recorder. Leave a message. The church is calling. Uh, If you have prayers that you need, Call back and leave a message on my recorder, and we'll turn it in, and they will pray for you. Well, when people started realizing she was calling for the church, calling for prayer, they started answering the phone, and they got to know Betty like I knew Betty. So uh, she wound up one day calling me from Denny's parking lot, and she was like a kid in a candy store. She was so excited. She said, you're not going to believe what just happened. A 98-year-old woman fell on the parking lot and broke her hip. And the paramedics were loading, loading her up on the gurney. And I walked over to the gurney and I took her hand in mine and I said, would you like for me to pray for you? And she said, I'd love for you to pray for me. And she said, I prayed. And I prayed out loud and I didn't care who heard me. <laughs> and she said, Uh, It was just incredible. She was so excited. So um, I was teaching on John Brevere's Driven by Eternity, which is tremendous teaching, full of miracles as well. Anyhow, Betty started, her life began to change. And she started reading the word. And she started looking at these prayer requests every night. And she thought, well, nobody has to know but I can pray for these people too. And from 10 o'clock till midnight, every night for the rest of her life, Betty had a prayer ministry. (laughs) And that's just the way God does. One day she called me up and she said, I'm going blind. I'm going to have to go in a nursing home. There's no one to take care of me. And I said, don't say a word, Betty. I'm going to pray. And The sickness, the blindness is not your covenant with your God. 
I'm going to pray for you. I want you to agree with me um, because you're too young to go in a nursing home. And this is not God's plan. So I prayed for her, hung up, found out that she left that morning and went to her eye doctor. She had, I think he called it maculate degenerative eye disease. She had that. They didn't see cataracts before, but that day they found cataracts. Two weeks later, they did surgery. She could see better than ever. and She didn't have to go in a nursing home. So about 2.30 that morning, I'm still fervently, the next morning, I'm fervently praying for Betty. And I didn't know what had transpired. And Jesus very abruptly stopped me in the middle of my panicked prayer. And he said, Fawn, I've got her back. She's in the palm of my hands. Trust me. And I said, you're right, Lord. You love her more than anybody. And I do trust you. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. I fell asleep. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, about four hours later, I woke up with the bigger, I mean, with the uh, potter and the dizzy clay. And it was all about Betty. It was about Betty, but it was also about us just our nature, uh, to tell the potter what to do. <laughs> and there's a scripture in Isaiah about that, that are you the clay that I created telling me what you should be? <laughs> and But we do. So he gave me the potter and the dizzy clay. I grabbed my iPhone, and I spoke that verbatim into the phone and I want you to hear it because it was his heart about Betty he is an amazing potter so um, it goes like this um, said the potter to the clay I'm going to work on you today Said the clay with much disdain. Here goes another day of pain. Said the potter with a smile. I'll only work on you a while. Said the clay with a frown. You'll turn my whole world upside down. Said the potter with a nod. Trust me, clay. You know I'm God. Said the clay, I know you're God, but must you poke and push and prod? The potter gently takes the clay. And works a little through the day, although the clay is stiff at first. He finally yields, but it gets worse. The potter starts to spin the wheel, and the dizzy clay begins to reel. With gentle pressure and timely spins, a genius plan of change begins. And then the clay begins to pout. I think you've turned me inside out. This isn't what I thought I'd be. I think I know what's best for me. The potter put him on the shelf and let the clay assess himself. With time, that clay was very still and told the potter, do your will. The potter takes his paint and brush, gives that clay his finished touch. The clay had gone from empty mire to going through the potter's fire. But when everything was said and done, that clay was glistening in the sun, holding soil, growing flowers, equipped to withstand storms and showers, filled with beauty. 
The clay now knows the potter's hand brings joys untold. And glory to the potter's skill as the clay surrenders to his will. So that's where the potter and the dizzy clay came from. And the back of the book, I put uh, a, a coloring book with bubble letters and the pictures that had been illustrated at the book. It wasn't a children's book, but I thought it was a wonderful lesson for, for little children. So I tried to kill two birds with one stone <laughs> and communicate the Father's heart that if we trust him, he'll shape us and mold us and make us better than we could ever make ourselves. So the potter of the dizzy clay is out there. You can purchase this on um, Amazon. The Jesus Whisperer is out there. And the next one that's going out there, going to the publisher now, is called The Bigger Picture. The same kind of thing. God woke me up. He gave me the bigger picture, 2.30 in the morning, <laughs> uh, about um, the program that we had developed, a pilot program uh, with kids that were at risk, alternative students who felt like they were low and couldn't measure up and they had no self-esteem. Um, Ted abused girls that came. And then we brought in the A-plus honor students. That was an amazing, an amazing couple years where we saw them go from 30 percentile to an 80 percentile in their grades. When I asked God to give me uh, something that could show educators what was happening, he woke me up at 2.30 in the morning and gave me the bigger picture. That's what's next. So that's coming soon. Two Sides to a Mountain is coming soon. Uh, that will be illustrated as well. We'd like to do that a shadow play with that one. And then the last uh, book that I'm working on now is called Remember Me. And it's all about the goodness of God. And it's a devotional, one-year devotional. Hmm. That's my story, and I'm sticking, sticking to it. Sticking to it. That is good. Well, you got a lot going on. So I guess we're going to, this is right now, as of recording, is in July. So August, September, October, about October, I think, you know, before it starts getting to the holiday seasons. We'll, we'll sit down, and we'll talk about what you have has come up since then, you know, since now, I should say. But um, I really appreciate you. Um, I, I thank everybody for listening today. Uh, my name is Kevin James. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat. And I've been here with Fawn, the author, Fawn Collette. Fawn, thank you again for having me in your home. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody else, we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care and God bless. This has been a Millennium Beat production. Views and opinions of the guest are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat. Check us out on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and TikTok, at The Millennium Beat. Or on Twitter, at Millennium underscore Beat. I want to introduce you to a new program we are starting in 2023. It's a program where people can contribute, sponsor, or become a super sponsor to help support what we do at The Millennium Beat. We are also developing a partner program to help reach our goals of reaching people. 
More information will be on our website, where you can fill out a form to become a sponsor or partner and make payments directly to us from our website.